Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Hannah Tom continues our worship series, talking about personal worship and corporate worship. She talks about how the posture of our hearts reflects how we worship as the body of Christ. We look at Romans 15 verses 1 through 6 and how living in harmony and unity with one another affects our worship. We hope you enjoy this message. So how are we doing? Good. Me too. I feel very awake right now. Doing good? Good. Whoa! Right, so my name's Hannah. Um, I had the privilege of volunteering here while serving here two years ago as an intern, so you guys might have met me then. I also have the honor to substitute at Southside Christian, where I know very many of you from. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> and that's super fun, and I love that, and I haven't met you. My name's Hannah. If you go to Southside, you have permission to call me Hannah at church. <laughs> you don't have to call me Miss Tom here. Um, yeah, so I think first thing I'm going to do is share a two-minute story, basically, about my history with worship, because um, I think you guys have seen me sing here a couple times in the last few weeks. I have been more this year than in the past, and I sing usually at high school. But I'm going to share what my experience with worship was like growing up. It was nothing like this. I grew up in a small Lutheran church in Wisconsin where my youth group was... Zoe, will your small group all raise your hand? My youth group was consistently like about as big as like that amount of girls raising their hands. So like eight to ten-ish people regularly on a weekly basis. Um, if we were lucky, can you guys put up the picture of like the youth group that I have in the slides? If we were lucky, we had like maybe 15 maybe 20 people here sometimes. This was a going away party for one of our seven youth pastors. We had a different one every single year for seven years. I did not have one youth pastor all the way through, let alone five or six like you guys have here. We had one, her name was Brooke, she was awesome. I loved her the most out of all of them. Um, So we gave her a going away party. We didn't give any of the other six ones a going away party. We also got those cute matching t-shirts. You can see that's a Google image of Jesus on them. I think it says Grace Youth, like. 2012 or something maybe? Yeah, 2012. Um, So super, super small church. Our youth group, we would meet on Wednesday nights and we had dinner together. Usually one of the parents made dinner for all like 15 of us. Hot dogs, spaghetti, burgers, something like that. And then we would go to small groups, which is really just all the girls and then all the boys. And then we would all meet together for like this devotional style. It wasn't even a message. It was really all of us sitting in a circle talking about a devotional basically. We did not have youth band. We did not have youth worship. I did not know contemporary worship at all until I was like 17 or 18. We didn't grow up with it. In church, on Sundays, we went with our parents. And I remember my dad usually, he worked nights, so he wasn't always at church on Sunday mornings. My mom would stand in between me and my little sister with her hymnal. We'd pull the hymnal from the pew in front of us, right? There was no chairs. There was just pews. So think super old school. Pull the hymnal out. The organ director, because you know an organ is like the piano with like a lot more keys. It sounds really old. He would tell us what hymnal to flip to. So he'd say, mm, turn to hymnal 173 in the red hymnal. So my mom would open it up and she'd stand here. And we wouldn't sing with her. She would sing. And my mom, I think that's where I got any remotely musical talent. That wasn't English. Any slight amount of musical talent came from my mom. And uh, she harmonized with every single song that we sang, and I don't think she knew that she was harmonizing. So if I ever mess up when I'm singing worship, I'll probably accidentally sing the harmony and not the melody. That's like, I don't know why that's what our brains hear. But my mom would stand there with a hymnal in church. We'd sing like four or five hymns throughout the service, lots of standing and sitting and standing and sitting. 
we wouldn't sing though. Um, I didn't sing in front of anyone in my entire life until I was 17 years old. I was not in choir, no training whatsoever, which is why I probably have a scratchy voice. I did not learn how to take care of my voice or anything, but apparently it worked out for the best and people always say they like the scratchiness. I'm like, that's so funny. Um, so that's what I grew up with on Sundays. Quiet, arms at your sides. No one put their hands in the air. No one raised their hands in worship. Never seen that in my life until I was like 17. I'll tell that story in a second. Just nice and calm like this. And the only version of contemporary worship I knew was what you heard on the radio, and I did not like that. That sounded cheesy and corny and weird. Like that song, what I think of all the time is like, Our God is Greater by Chris Tomlin. Like, our God is greater, our God is stronger. When I hear that, that reminds me of Radio Christian when I was in high school, and I'm like, the words are true, but it sounds like a time when I thought that was all cheesy and corny and did not give it any value or listen to any words they were saying. So... I don't know how I really got, well, I do know how I got from point A to point B, but that's what I grew up having. So, come my junior year, we went on a mission trip for the very first time. The youth pastor, Brooke, the one from the picture, took us on this mission trip. We'd never been on one before. If you guys have been to Lexington, you know, a really standard um, style for like mission trips that like American youth groups go on is you arrive into a town, so if you're going to Lexington this summer, you'll do this, or future in high school when you go on a mission trip. You arrive in town, there's like three or four of the youth groups, maybe like 60 to 100 kids usually is like the number for these, I would say. Maybe lower if it's a lower week. But a lot of other youth groups are there and you're all arriving in town and then over the course of the week during the day, you work on construction projects and then at night, there's worship every single night. The first night, there's no construction because you just got there, so you go have dinner with everyone and then you go to worship. So my very first year, now keep that picture in mind of like what that mission trip is supposed to look like. We went on our very first mission trip, my junior year of high school, right afterwards. So is there any juniors in high school here? So I was Nathan Patrick's age when I went on my very first mission trip, right? And we thought it was really cool. We'd never heard any of the songs before. I remember we were really confused and we were like, this actually means something. And it means more than we ever thought it did, but we don't know what it means. I can't remember much else from that trip, not a single song, not a single sermon, but that was the trip that stirred my youth group hearts, my youth group's hearts, all like 15 of us. So that senior year of high school, when I was a senior, my youth pastor, Brooke, the one from the picture, was like, let's start a youth band. Like, you guys, this is cool. Like, this is good. We can do this. Like, you guys see what I see. You see something special. Maybe Jesus is real. Maybe this is a thing. Because we said we were Christians, but I don't, like, in hindsight, I was not a Christian, even though I thought I believed in God my whole entire life up until then, right? Like I grew up in church, of course I believed in God. I didn't, um, I didn't know I didn't. So we're on this trip, or we're, no, no, it's senior year, we're in senior year right now. And Brooke was like, let's start a youth band. And I remember telling Brooke, I wanna sing. And the boys in the youth group made fun of me because they were like, Hannah, sing? No, because <laughs> I'd never sang in front of anyone in my entire life. So that was terrifying that the immediate reaction was like, what, are you joking me? So we started this youth band and I remember the very first song I sang in front of anyone in my church was Great I Am by New Life Worship. Super old school, really good classic, love it. I still tear up a little bit when I hear it because that was like the song that like first meant something um, to me in terms of like contemporary worship. That was the first one. Half of you probably have never heard the song in your life. But so we had this youth band. None of us, I would say, were actually like really had Jesus in our hearts at this time. We all had like little seeds that were growing and like we were starting to see what maybe it all meant. 
So we told Brooke, we're like, can we go on another mission trip this next summer? We knew she wasn't gonna be the youth pastor, but we wanted to go on another trip. So we set it up to go on a trip. And we had it lined up. We were going to Joplin, Missouri this time. This is the summer after my senior year in high school. I still did not actually have a relationship with Jesus, but I've been singing for a little while now. And again, when I grew up in church, no one raised their hands in worship. All we knew was hymnals. There was no youth band, but we knew there was something more. And we sang a couple of modern songs that last year. So we're like, we know a little bit. So we go on this trip, and my youth group, we thought we were too cool for school. So remember, there's dinner the first night with all of these other kids, right? My youth group, for some reason, we just thought we were cooler than everyone, and we were like, we're gonna skip dinner and go to Sonic. <laughs> so we did not have dinner with all of the other students there. We didn't wanna get to know them. We didn't wanna hang out with them. Um, I don't know why, we, we literally just thought we were cool is probably it. So we told our youth pastor at the time, whoever the new intern was for that year, like, yeah, we're not, we're not eating with them. And then not only did we not eat with them, we also uh, came in late to worship, like probably 10 to 15 minutes. I couldn't tell you what songs they were playing, but I remember when we walked in, I can picture it like it's fresh in my brain. Imagine like, okay, you guys are all facing me. We walked in like that door and it's like mid-song. People have their hands up and they're worshiping. This is unfamiliar to us. We haven't seen this yet. We didn't know what they were doing. So this boy in my youth group, Mark, who's not pictured here because Mark was very much so come once or twice a month, not regularly. So of course he missed the big group pick and big goodbye party. Mark wasn't there. This boy, Mark, in my youth group had a crush on this girl, Mackenzie, on the trip. I know, ooh. Mackenzie was one of the other youth pastor's daughters too. Whoa. And she was super awesome, super cool. I'm still Facebook friends with her, actually. I checked that in between services. Like a super strong Christian her whole entire life from what I remember and just super solid the whole entire week. So Mark walks in, we're late to worship. Mark walks in, sees her with her hands up and gives her a massive high five. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like imagine if Zoe's up here worshiping full on and then uh, Con Connor? I always call them middle fry and little fry at Southside. So Con imagine Connor Fry just runs in and gives Zoe a massive high five. Like, imagine the shock and awe in the youth pastor's eyes as this boy high fived her daughter during worship, his daughter during worship. Like, everyone was shook who saw us and we're like, uh, mm, and like walked to the little corner that we were gonna sit in because we're already late and people are singing and we're like, something else is going on here, this is different. Whatever, Whatever's in their hearts is not in ours. They're worshiping something or someone. We think we believe in God, but like, this is nothing we've ever seen. Like, it's not even about like, we don't raise our hands. We didn't get like, why they were doing what they were doing. We didn't understand why their hands were in the air, why they were singing these songs with their whole entire hearts when all we're used to is sitting here and staring and not listening and paying attention. And we completely disrespected everyone by not going to dinner, by showing up late. We didn't show any love for them as like a body of believers because, I mean, in our hearts, we weren't yet a part of that body of believers in so many ways. We were not living in unity with them. We didn't want to. We didn't desire it. We went out of our way to make sure they knew it too. And that high five was like, seal the deal. That youth group is different from us. So... That was a little bit about me. I said two minutes, but that was more like four and a half or five or something. I don't know. Now, something about you. Tell your neighbor really quick what your least favorite class is and your favorite class is. Go.
Maddie Detro, what's your favorite class? Mac. Mac? Miss Detro, in the back row, what is your favorite class at school? All right, bring it together, guys. Social studies, we've got a social studies. All right. <laughs> ASL with me subbing, that's funny. All right, Zach Pennington, senior at high school, what's your favorite class? English? All right, hot take. All right, someone, someone from over here, let's get a favorite class. Social studies? All right, Zoe, what's your favorite class? PE? Hey, amen to that. I love PE in high school and middle school. Math? Okay, raise your hand if science is your favorite class. Science? Okay, all right, sh sh bring it back together. In middle school, I love PE. All right, <laughs> hands down for now. I love PE, but as far as like classes, classes go, I like science because I like learning with my hands, right? And one of my favorite things we did in middle school science was grow little plants together. Raise your hand if you have grown a plant in a science class. Like you had like a styrofoam cup or something. Can we put up the picture for what this looks like? So you guys know what I'm talking about? Like something like this. I pulled this off Google. I didn't even realize it says Jesus' desk there. That was really convenient for me for this metaphor here. So, all right. So even if you didn't do it, maybe you're homeschooled and it was just you and your mom just let you go to the garden or something. Like, just imagine this. You're in this class. You have your own cup. You probably have your name on it. I remember it. I remember competing with the other kids to grow mine the tallest, right? You always wanted yours to be the tallest. Now, you have to take care of this plant. So what are some things you have to do to take care of this plant? Raise your hands. Water it. That's okay. We'll take it. Science, did you say? Sun, food. What do you guys do if it starts to wilt? Talk to it. <laughs> you just tell it, grow strong, buddy. No. Um, so I remember we would take these little wooden sticks, like popsicle sticks or something, and twi tie a twist tie, and it would hold it up strong, right? Like you want to help it. You want to support it. Do you guys have this visual in your mind? Like you're taking care of this flower, you're taking care of this plant. Now, what would you do if you guys, let's say, got quarantined for two weeks and you were trying to make your plant go really tall? Would you message your friend to water your plant for you while you're gone? Yes, because yes, in a lot of ways it was a competition. You want the tallest plant, but you also really want to take care of it, like you want it to grow well. If your plant starts to fall, would you hope that your friends would pick it up and like tie the twist tie? No. <laughs> we're going to go with yes. <laughs> They're good friends. They want to help your plant grow too, right? The last thing you want you to, your friends the last thing you want your friends to do is just let your plant die while you're quarantined for 2 weeks. You want it to grow strong. You want your plant to look like the other plants, right? You don't want it to be brown and wilty and falling apart and broken. You want it to be full of life and beautiful and growing and tall and held up and supported. So, this is what we're going to run with today. I want you guys to picture this like each of our individual faith as like this plant. Like you have this class plant, we're all in this class together and you have a plant that you're gonna grow and take care of in water and it's yours and you're in this class. So, 
If you're striving to have a relationship with Jesus, you want this plant to grow and be supported and be built up and watered and taken care of, right? So what do you think? Imagine my youth group now from when I was growing up. Do you think we were watering our plant and taking care of it the way we should have as a small body believers? No, I think we were like pouring Sprite and Skittles on our plant or something. Like we were not watering it well. We didn't want people to take care of it for us. We were just, we were not taking care of it. We didn't want to be taken care of. We didn't want to be a part of this class plant project, right? We were doing our own thing. We were not, we didn't want to be a part of it. And I think that was an error on our, on our part. And now we are going to talk about what the body of believers are supposed to do in terms of corporate worship. I promise this all has to do with worship. It's all going to make sense. If you guys will open your Bibles to Romans 15, we're going to tie all of this together or your phone, whatever it is you have, pull it up, open it up. I'm going to pray, and then we will read scripture. Right. Dear God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your character and who you are, and that we get to see it on display everywhere we go. God, I thank you for creating this beautiful world full of plants and sun and the sky, and creating all these people for us to interact with and be friends with and love, God. And I just thank you for everything on this earth that reminds us of you. And I just pray that um, as we walk through what it looks like to worship you more uh, together and in our individual lives, that you would just show us who you are and that this would all be an act of worship towards you, God, and that we could just learn how to love you and love others better through this. In your name I pray, amen. Romans 15, one through six, I'm reading ESV. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let us each please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures that we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to read a paraphrase, the message version. So if you guys didn't quite understand what that meant, because there's a lot of big words, I want to read this one to help you understand it. So this is the same exact text, but a paraphrase of it in words that might make a little bit more sense and help understand. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter, And not to just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waded in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way the scripture puts it. He took on the troubles of the troubled. Even... If it was written in scriptures long ago, you can be sure that it's written for us. God wanted the combination of his steady, constant calling and warm personal counsel in scripture to come to characterize us, keeping us alert for whatever he will do next. May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you, that you get along with one another as well as Jesus gets along with all of us. Then we'll be a choir, not of our voices only, but in every in our very lives, singing in harmony and a stunning anthem to God the Father and our Master Jesus. Amen. So, there's a lot in here. We don't have a ton of time, but the most important things we need to know. My very first question reading this ever in my life, I remember putting little question marks in my Bible and highlighting these words, are who are weak and who are strong? 
What does this mean? It says the strong are to bear with the weak and carry each other's burdens and not please his neighbor. Who are the weak and who are the strong? None of this makes sense without understanding who those people are and what that means. Who thinks you're very strong in this audience? (laughs) Who thinks you definitely have some weaknesses in your life and things you need to work on? Wow, we've got some humble people. This is awesome, cool. We all have strengths and we all have weaknesses in a lot of different ways, both physically, like I'm sure a lot of you are very good at certain sports, and I know I'm horrible at foot sports. Anything that, like dancing and soccer, mm mm-mm. People always think I played soccer for some reason, never in my life. I cannot coordinate A to B, does not make sense. And same goes for our faith. So the way that we want to understand the weak and the strong here is that we all have strengths and weaknesses. And the same goes for the people in this culture at this time. So when Paul was writing this, the weak were characterized, um, we don't know the exact details, but the thing is, the people reading this book did know. So when he wrote this, the readers knew exactly who he meant. But the closest we can come to understanding is knowing that the people who are categorized as quote-unquote weak still did certain practices um, that were more in accord with like the old law. So like they would abstain from eating certain things, they wouldn't drink certain things because they believed it helped and supplemented their faith, right? And I think a lot of us do this today. This isn't too far off. Like I know plenty of grown-ups, like specifically will not drink like alcoholic drinks because it helps with their faith, right? And sometimes people really want to be a vegan or a vegetarian because they believe it's what God has asked them to do. Like we all eat and drink certain things very realistically and do different things and have different practices. that we do specifically because it helps our faith. So these people at this time were sometimes characterized as weak because the strong thought that this wasn't always necessary, like you don't need this for your faith. And while that's true, not every single person needs to have certain things that they abstain from and certain things they eat or drink the strong still have to bear with them. And the thing is, there's not always this one group of people who's weak, like I said, and not always certain people who are always strong. We all have different places where we're gonna need to bear with one another. And these people were not doing that super well. The problem is that they were coming at one another like, no, you need the law, no, you don't need the law, like, when in reality, they all believed in Jesus Christ. And what Paul is asking them to do is, where you guys have weaknesses and strengths and where you guys have weaknesses and strengths, you're supposed to come alongside one another. And that is how we can unify. So instead of crisscrossing and walking all over each other in different strengths and weaknesses, he's saying, no, walk in line and accord with one another. So if you think about music, they did it super well up here earlier, Lynn and Nathan and Becca, they sang beautiful harmonies. What's a harmony in music? Nathan? You kind of raise your hand. It's like um, different, same notes, different octaves. More people singing different notes. Combining the answer, basically yes. So a harmony is when a lot of different people are singing notes that all make sense together. Uh, music is a beautiful gift from God. I, can't, I don't know enough music theory to explain it perfectly, but that is the simple explanation. There's a lot of different notes that sound nice together. It could be a different octave. It could be different notes altogether. But together, they sound very beautiful. And what we need to know from this passage is that Jesus is the melody. Jesus is the main role that we all have to be in accord with. And this is the image I want you guys to have for corporate worship because 
what Nathan asked me to teach on is the difference between corporate and personal worship. So put a parenthesis around this, this whole section we just talked about with Romans 15. This is corporate worship. We are just like, and this applies with what Johnny said last week, together, like it's far beyond singing. Our lives are to live in harmony with one another. Does that make sense? So instead of knocking each other down for different strengths or weaknesses we have, we have to all live together and help one another and bear with one another's failings. Now, personal worship. Luckily, I don't have to do a ton of work here because Johnny did a great job last week. If we'll pull up Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You guys had a lot of conversations about this, and I hope... Um, how much time do we have? Not very much. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to let what Johnny said hold in your mind then for personal worship. It goes far beyond just singing in your voice, but it's about giving your entire life to God and sat, like putting down your life to live as an act of worship towards him. It goes far beyond just singing, right? So your personal worship. Now the connection we're going to draw between these two is I think a lot of the time the problem in corporate worship and the reason why, well singing, singing corporate worship is basically a, a vocal exaltation. So I want you to imagine the body of Christ. When there's discord in the body of Christ, when we're corporately worshiping together, like living life together, oftentimes the reason why these crosses happen and these problems happen is in our hearts. Because if the melody is Jesus, if the main thing we're all in line with is Jesus, then something that's crossing is something that's helping us understand that what we're worshiping is not Jesus. So the question really is then, who or what are we worshiping in our personal lives then that's taking away from us being in line with the melody that is Jesus Christ? Because I would say in high school, like I told you guys, I thought I was worshiping God. I thought I was a Christian my whole entire life until I was 17, 18. I was 18 when I actually accepted Christ. It was 18 years old. But my whole entire life, I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, I, like I, wor I worship God. Like, that's what I'm doing. But realistically, that's not always the case. And the evidence is almost always found, especially right now. I know not all of you have phones. First hour, like, four kids said they had iPhones. And I was like, oh, okay. The evidence is so easy to find if you're confused as to what's in my heart if... Yeah, let's throw up that quote. Let's go to that one. So, quick transition. To know if something is an idol, you evaluate if it fills your soul. A seventh grader said this. You guys are in middle school, so I know you guys can think through this with me here and walk through this. To know if you're worshiping something that isn't God, evaluate if it fills your soul. And realistically, the answer is no, like it's not going to. It will not fill your soul because the only thing that really can is Jesus and your relationship with God. So to know something is an idol, Evaluate if it's trying to fill your soul. So what is it that you're spending all of your thought and your time and your schedule framing around? What is the thing in class that you're thinking about that's not class? What's the all-consuming thing in your mind? And very often, if you don't know where to find the answer, I do recommend looking at your phone, um, maybe asking wise counsel, wise friends around you, like what is it that's really filling my time if it's not Jesus? 
Because the thing is, I know on TikTok and Instagram and like social media, they target you. Like they know exactly what you're thinking and what's taking up your time. Like if you guys have TikTok, the for you page, what it's called, it literally is cultivated for you whether or not you like it. Like it's gonna show you what all of your thoughts are directed towards. Like right now, mine is thankfully on Christian workout TikTok. I'm really happy with it. I like <laughs> super, super big fan. Um, and sometimes singing videos. Uh, but it'll literally tell you, your phone can tell you, even on your screen time, where is your time going? Where is your heart focused towards? Because realistically, your expression to God in worship will be a reflection of your heart. So if your heart's facing God, then in your personal worship, which does not mean just singing, there's so much more to it than just singing, when you're sitting in solitude trying to pray, when you're in community with others, if your heart's towards God, the expression will be so. You'll see the fruit of it. But if it's not, you're not gonna see it. Like our little class plants, we're probably brown and withered on that, if, if we go back to the metaphor, like me, my youth group, and all these kids, and then all the other kids, like our plants were brown because we were not filling them with water. We were not fueling ourselves with Jesus. We were watering our plants with Skittles and Sprite. And, <laughs> and the evidence showed, everyone knew, everyone knew the expression of our heart was not towards Jesus. Whether or not we raised our hands, that has nothing to do with it. Our hearts were not facing Jesus. So what do you do then? What, how do we get, like if, if our hearts aren't towards Jesus, if you're sitting here and you're like, you're right, like my heart is fully on my grades. All I wanna do is please people with my grades. Um, I wanna please my friends and buy the right clothes and look the right way. I wanna have the perfect filter on all the social media. Like, I, Jesus is not the center of my heart and I know it and I can tell. What do you do? I mean, the easy answer is look to Jesus because realistically, none of these things are gonna bring you happiness and at the end of the day, you know it. There's a fullness with Jesus that cannot be felt anywhere else. And once you've felt it, that's all you want. That's all that you know can fill your soul. And worship will come naturally as an expression when it does. Nothing to be forced, nothing to be done. You can't work for it, it'll just happen. It'll be an expression from your heart. Worship is to give up our lives and lift up our Savior. Because Jesus tore through everything. He tore through all darkness on the cross. So if you think you can't get out of whatever's consuming your heart, if you think, well, I, I literally don't know how to change my ways, like I can't do it. I, like, where do you find the water for the plants? Like, I don't know where it is. I feel like my plant is alone and no one's around me. Ask trusted neighbors who have a great relationship with Jesus. Ask your classmates to water your plant when you're gone. Don't just leave it sitting there for two weeks. Don't let it dry up. Don't let people pour Diet Coke in it. It's not good for you. But like, Ask your friends to take care of your plant. Ask them to help you take care of your heart, your parents who love you and want you to have a great relationship with Jesus, your church leaders, your small group leaders, the older high schoolers in the room that you know and love. Ask them to help you look towards Jesus because they've walked through it with him and they know him and they know what he can do and he can tear across any darkness that you think is covering your heart, anything you think is consuming it. And ask Jesus to come into your heart. Because even if you think your plant is alone, it's not. The thing that's in common with Romans 15 and Romans 12, with your corporate worship and personal worship, personal worship, is that God was the ultimate, Jesus was the ultimate friend 
to bear your weight with you. You are not alone, even if you don't think you have friends. He's the ultimate person to bear your shoulders with you. He is gonna take care of your plant. He's gonna put the stilts up and hold it up when you don't think you have friends to help you do that. And he was the ultimate sacrifice on the cross, the last one to be slain so that we may walk alive and that we can be a living sacrifice and feel the full joy of Jesus now. We don't have to sacrifice ourselves in the way that he had to. He already did that. Corporate worship is between God and us. Corporately, us as a body of Christ taking care of one another and personal worship is you and God. Where is God with your heart? I can't give you a perfect example of how to get there. That's something you have to do on your own and work on it with yourself. And you know what you have to do. You just have to look inside of it. At the end of the day, as far as what you do with your hands in worship, they are an expression of your heart. They will reflect the posture of your heart your entire life. So that's all I have for you guys. I think you can dig into this more in your small groups. There's some questions for you.